morning. Welcome to the Scottish Indie Podcast. Today, I'm delighted to welcome along David Brooke from Paisley's Finest, the Muldoons. David, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing really well. Thanks. You? Yeah, going great. Thank you very much for coming on today. I appreciate that we've, for the first time ever in the podcast history, we've got 40 minutes slot on Zoom and we exhausted it just talking shit, essentially, before we came on. So that was a that was a pleasure, but we'll get right into it just now. Things are really kind of speeding up for the Muldoons just now. What's been happening recently and how much are you enjoying that? Um, yeah, I, it, it's uh, been a little bit surreal, to be honest with you. We, we've, um, we hadn't released anything since uh, last year and we're working hard uh, on our next album just now. And, uh, you know, in the kind of run up to summer and gigs coming, we thought we would put a single out and, um, you know, just kind of stay engaged and uh, with people who who follow our music. Um, and we didn't really expect anything different. You know, we, we, we've got really good links with people who, who like our music. But lo and behold, we've been getting fairly extensive radio play on uh, Radio 6 and other regional BBC radio stations. Um, so, yeah, it, it's unexpected uh, and uh, it, it's a real buzz. You know, I I, I don't know uh, what it's like to be in, in other bands, but, um, you know, this is uh, new and exciting for us and we're, we're, really, uh, we're really lapping it up right now. It's fantastic. And that's something that I've focused on before on the podcast in terms of despite the fact that the Muldoons, if you forgive me for saying it, are a wee bit longer in the tooth as a band, but that thrill of being playing on the radio and also reaction from people listening to the music and really taking something from it, that must be still as humbling and overwhelming as it always was. Yeah, it, it, it is. And I think, you know, I I certainly see this in in you know, more established and, and bands who, who are better known and more successful uh, than we are, that there is a, you know, there is a, a, a real uh, joy among some of them when, even these days when their music gets played in, in the radio and when they, you know, when they have a gig where the audience reacts really well. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I think probably if you were, uh, you know, lay them down on the psychiatrist's famous sofa and, and ask them, I think a lot of them would admit that, you know, that's the stuff that uh, that really keeps them going. So it, it's certainly new for us, uh, a lot of the stuff that's happened recently, but, uh, you know, we, we are really like uh, overgrown kids, you know, we, we uh, uh, you know, our, our WhatsApp group is red hot and uh, uh, we're really just, uh, just letting it wash over us and then enjoy us. I enjoy it as it happens and it, it's a small thing you know getting radio play may not seem that big but you know it does make all those hours you know winter nights grinding away in in uh damp cold studios and wondering why you're doing it it, it kind of uh uh makes you feel that it really was worth something because somebody listened to it <laughs> No, I can absolutely understand that. Now, normally when I cover a band's history, it, it tends to be I'm going back to, to maybe 2018, 2019. We've got <laughs> quite a short background to the band. But in the case of the Muldoons, it's, it's very, very different. Obviously, they, the band reformed again in, in 2017, but you've got a, a fair degree of past behind you, shall we say? Yeah, are you saying we're old? 
<laughs> so, not, not at all. You're pretty much in my mouth. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we, we do feel uh, a, a bit fraudulent uh, sometimes. Um, I mean, we, we uh, are all in some way connected to Paisley. Most of us met uh, back in the 90s as uh, young sporty students at, uh, uh, at Paisley. Uh, most of us study in uh, engineering and, um, you know, everybody starts a band. Do, do kids still start bands when they go to uni and college? I, I hope they do. Um, I, and, you know, we we had, I, I mean, we had a, a, an incredible time back then, as you can imagine, when we were really inspired. We, we found ourselves a bit kind of out of step with music. Um, you know, if you think of the, the kind of waves of music that happened in the 90s, you know, early, you know, you kind of went into the 90s with a whole Manchester thing and then uh, Nirvana and grunge appeared and then, um, you know, all that uh, kind of oasis and blur driven music in the in the mid 90s. Uh, and we were making uh, at the time uh, jangly '80s Scottish indie music because that's what we liked. Um, so it, you know, I, I didn't think there was at the time people liked us, and we did some great things and great gigs. But we were clearly not on a trend that we were ever going to get a, a record label. We, we, even then, we were a little bit out of our uh, out of our, our decade, if that makes sense. Yeah, and so. That kind of leads us on quite nicely. What was the, the inspiration then come 2017 to revamp and reinvent the the Muldoons and come back? Did you was it a conscious decision? Was it just a chance meeting? It, it seems quite a curious thing that after a prolonged period of time apart, you decide you're going to give it another go. Yeah, I mean, this has um, turned into the longest uh, one gig reunion I think that any band has ever uh, has ever done, and that that was what happened. You know, we none of us played music. We we threw the towel in. I think <clears throat> about ninety six, ninety seven. I remember we we played in a tea break gig. Um, and we'd said, you know, if we don't actually get to play at tea in the park we're going to chuck it. Um, and needless to say, we we didn't get to play tea in the park. So we 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 did that. And <clears throat> by that time, you know, we had all graduated and had to get proper jobs and careers and things. And it just felt like it had run its course. Um, so we, we you know, we, we got back together uh, four or five years ago, basically um, because we had a friend who was involved with the bungalow in, in Paisley at the time and had kind of encouraged one or two of us to, to do it. Um, partly, I think, because as a reaction to, you know, there weren't, uh, th there was a perception there weren't enough original music bands around and a lot of the venues were, you know, putting on a lot of uh, tribute and cover acts, uh, you know, to get people through the door. Um so that that was the kind of catalyst uh, for, for getting us started. We kind of said, okay, we'll, we'll we'll quietly go and rehearse, see what it sounds like, and if it sounds okay, we'll we'll think about doing a gig. So that was the kind of uh, the kind of tap in the shoulder, if you like, to uh, to to get everyone back together. It must be said, it's a cracking venue, the, the bungalow, isn't it? It seems to be live music on 
almost on a nightly basis, really kind of giving Paisley a, a bit of a voice and a, a real kind of music scene they can be proud of. Yeah, I, it's you know there there are a couple at least a couple of good venues in in uh, Paisley now that, that seem to be doing well in the bungalow. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's a phenomenal place um, uh, to to play and go and watch music. Um, and I you know I go there myself. Um, uh, you know when we were allowed uh, back in the pubs after uh, lockdown uh, last year, you know we had a band night out in the bull and we ended up in the bungalow and there was a, uh, you know, it was a kind of rockabilly band playing in there who were absolutely uh, fabulous. So yeah, I, I, you know, I think there's a lot going on in Paisley and, uh, um, you know, the, 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 the music scene's kind of bubbling along there quite well, I think. When you formed in, in 2017, the following year you released Lovely Things and, that really got a positive reaction. I could actually remember being introduced to it by a friend as well. And it was only kind of in the last couple of days when we've been teeing up this podcast, I revisited it and remembered, I'm pretty sure it featured in a couple of kind of recommended playlists for myself at the time. It's, it's two cracking songs on there and it got such a positive reaction. At that point, are the, the wheels in your head kind of going right? We've maybe got something here. We could we can kick on and and continue to to thrive as a band. Yeah, I th- I think a little bit. I mean, it took us a. You're right. It was about a year um, before we we did that, and <clears throat> you know, we we probably you know we we always had a very short term mindset. So we played that first uh, gig in the bungalow in 2017, and. You know, it was packed out. And I mean, as you would expect, all your mates, all your family, you know, uh, mums, dads, aunties, uncles, you know, uh, and people you hang about with and people you used to hang about with. It was just about everybody that we knew uh, turned up. And and actually, I, I do recall um, that they drunk the bar close to dry that night. Um, <laughs> there, there was a, I think over the PA, they had to... Uh, announced there wasn't anything left in draft and and you know there was a, a danger the scenes were going to get ugly as people fought over the last can of flavored cider at, at one in the morning but um i i think uh the guy who ran the bungalow at the time just you know was really chuffed that it had been a success um and he was putting on uh tom hingley from in spiral carpets uh a month well, a couple of months later and said, we, you know, do you guys want to come and support? And then, I mean, you know, that was a band that we, you know, all went to see and loved when we were students. So that was a, that was a thrill. And, you know, so we, we kind of swung from branch to branch a bit, you know, we had those two great gigs. Then we played at King Tut's and everybody came and saw us there. And that's a real milestone for, for bands in Scotland, you know, to, to kind of play and sell out King Tut's if, if you can, it's, it's a, an incredible thrill. So, we never had any more um, forward thinking than if somebody called us and offered us a gig, we would we would go do it. But then after a year, when you realise that you're still doing it um, and you've kind of honed the music a bit, we were very lucky in that the studio we uh, rehearse in up uh, uh, in a farm, believe it or not, near Cumbernauld, uh, near the Iron Brew Factory, um, 
the uh, guy who runs it, Gavin, is also a really good producer and has a recording studio there. So we thought, you know what? Just for the sake of posterity and because we like it, we'll, we'll record these things and, and see what happens. Um, and I think that's when we realised the world has has changed in the last 25 years because, you know, there are an amazing number of um, podcasters, bloggers, independent radio stations, regional radio stations, um, and they're all, you know, connected um, uh, somehow to what's going on in the kind of uh, uh, this this indie scene. And all of a sudden, you know, you you see on Twitter that someone in Germany or Italy or even Japan or America starts to 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 play uh, to play your song, and that's what happened with lovely things. And it, it was, uh, and at that point things change because then your mindset changes, and I, you know, I, uh, it goes from, uh, you know, if someone offers us something, we'll go do it. To you start thinking, oh, you know, the light goes on. Say, actually, we really like this. We're getting a buzz out of this, so you know, we're going to be a bit more deliberate about it and and do things, uh, you know, plan what we're going to do and and uh, and see what happens. I suppose in the modern day world where there's so much uncertainty and, and so many difficulties in, in many different aspects, did the fact that you had went away, your know, careers and maybe didn't have that same amount of pressure that a, a new band, that it's their bread and butter, they need to make a success of it or everything's out the window, did that kind of help the enjoyment of it and kind of release any kind of weight from your shoulders? I think so. I mean, there's never, um, that's that's actually quite perceptive. I never thought about it, but the only way to be in any way involved in music in the 90s was either to do it professionally or not at all. You know, the idea you could hold down a job and also be somehow involved in music, it would have been very difficult to, to pull off because, I mean, you know, in, in, in the early 90s, we'd be basically running about putting posters up on walls and sticking posters in shops and things. It's, it was a lot of work to get people along to a gig if you didn't have any, you know, commercial support behind you then. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I think you're right. You know, it's possible now to get a level of professionalism and communications that just wasn't feasible back then. Um you know, and, and even if there aren't like, say, 150 people locally who like your music, it's a big world and you'll find 150 people online who might like your music. They just might all be uh, uh, distributed. So, yeah, I, it, it's both. Um, I think it's made the, the kind of cottage DIY industry uh, where we kind of operate. Um, a, a really happy and productive place to be. But I think conversely, you know, the, the way technology is today, it's become really difficult for bands who, you know, want to make a living and do this professionally and take their, you know, take their, their art to a much higher level. I think, um, uh, I don't think it's the technology, you know, I've worked in the tech, the tech industry uh, my whole career, and I'm probably in some way responsible in a small way for uh, for the state of things. Um, I think the thing that's really messed up today is is not the technology, but economics. I think that the technology should be democratised and it should be empowering, but actually, it's it has become a way to funnel money to a few people who uh, don't really create much. Uh, it's a pretty 
sad state of affairs. Yeah, absolutely is. And I think that kind of almost answers my, my next question in terms of the streaming platforms of which there are an abundance of them. That, it seems a, a pittance that these bands that are producing their hard-earned work and putting it out there for, for people to listen to effectively for a, a monthly premium of anything from a fiver to a tenner. And they're getting paid point one of a penny for every listen. It's it's just not the way that it used to be, obviously, with releasing physical singles and, and making or the potential to make some money. You're needing to properly get, be hitting over a million hits of your song, aren't you, to to really be rewarded for your art. Yeah, it's it's um it, it, it's just uh, it, it's it's too far for for the overwhelming majority of uh, people. You know, it really either you have to uh, be incredibly lucky and talented, so talent on its own is is not enough, or you need to have some serious marketing leverage uh, behind you, and and usually the latter. I mean, money still talks. Um, so it's you know, I I, I it's not a happy state of affairs i i think that uh you know that there the, the emphasis for artists has changed um in terms of where you know we, we we do this not to earn any money we do this just for the the joy of doing it um and uh in order to keep it going uh, we have to get money from either live gigs or basically the equivalent of a, a busker's hat, you know, through Bandcamp and donations like that. Um, you know, getting the the airplay on on the BBC with our last single uh, directed a, a you know a, a number of people to Bandcamp to either donate or or buy digital versions of their music, and we've earned more on Bandcamp in the last five weeks since we put that single out uh, than we've earned on all streaming platforms collectively in the last five years. That really is fascinating. I, I, I think it's a, it's a shambles, really. And it, I, I suppose I'm kind of part of that system as well. I'm a Spotify subscriber, but there's there's no real... I, I am too, by the way. You know, I, Yeah, I, I, I subscribe as well. The technology is compelling, and you know that I, I I don't want, I think we need to differentiate between the technology and the business models because, you know, not to put too fine a point on it, we, we're living at a, a period in time where, you know, that capital has been able to uh, find ways to direct all the money back to itself. Um, you know, I, I don't want to get political about it, but you see this kind of uh, industrialization of um, creativity and in, in not just in the music domain you know but you, you see it in all the creative domains and even sport uh, as well you know monetization uh rules and and it's uh um you know i think in the in the you know in in in, in the in phase we're currently in i think it's been quite disruptive uh, for a lot of those art forms um, but I th you know, I think there are causes for optimism. You know, I, I think we've we've landed in a very happy home uh, in last night from uh, from Glasgow. And what is really interesting to me, you know, as someone who has managed various businesses in in the technology industry, 
professionally is the business model here. You know, it's it's not a for-profit business model. Um, you know, it's a, a business model designed to uh, encourage and develop creativity, and it's 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 a form of patronage from people who who enjoy you know the music. And it, it's you know, I, I think there are business models like that 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 could be scaled up and could um, benefit both. Uh, you know, musicians and people who like music. If if we can find uh, ways to ways to do that, so I I don't want to be too despondent. It is horrible. You're absolutely right. But the technology, I think, is you know, is compelling. But it, it, the monetization um, is it, just awful. You know, it, it's the people who create least uh, are the people who are earning money, uh, and it's completely upside down. Yeah, it's, it's almost kind of wild to consider. You, you wouldn't have thought 20 years ago you would effectively have a, a jukebox on your phone that could play any song at the drop of a hat and instantly it's just, it's quite crazy, but that's just the progression of the, the technology, as you say. Let's flip it back to the Muldoons and Made For Each Other. The, the album was released in July of 2020. Now... We talk about not putting too fine a point in things. The world was absolutely on fire at that point in time. Uh, <laughs> a very complex time to to have to release that album, but the vinyl was snapped up to the point where it was it was sold out at stages. You've had to do various reprints. The, the album itself described as a, a jangly guitar lover's dream. It's brilliant. It's went down a storm, and it must be a piece of work that you're immensely proud of. Oh yeah, it it, it does. You know, I I'm uh, quite sentimental uh, in my middle age, and it, you know, it it really um, uh, is incredible. And and the you know that it, it's funny how these little moments and even the pandemic can kind of change the direction because again it took it took us about a year and a half kind of, of on and off recording to to get those 10 songs uh done because we never really set out we, you know we didn't see ourselves as a as a proper band um and uh you know we tried not to to take ourselves that seriously but when we ended up when we got over about five or six songs recorded we thought actually we should just get all these songs done and then what we thought is we we just put out a cd there are, you know lots of little companies that can do that and we just set up a little um website or sell it on Bandcamp or something um <clears throat> but as it progressed um my my kind of um years of uh, working in business kind of kicked in and I, I thought you know i'm gonna call record companies here and see if anybody likes this because you know i i kind of believed in it. I, I really started to to like it you know I, I Jerry I, I think our singer is a you know a, a phenomenal songwriter you know he's got a lovely ton of phrase and 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 he creates these little melodies and it just all hung together uh, beautifully and you know you kind of you don't know if you're kind of too deep in it so you, you've lost your perspective or whether it's really you know something other people would want to hear um so I probably called emailed phoned about 50 record companies um and we were ready to uh release it around the time when people were starting to talk about lockdown 
and we had booked uh, a launch at the Flying Duck in Glasgow, and then places started to cancel stuff. This was before the official lockdown kind of came round, uh, and um, so we had to delay the launch. We didn't know what was about to hit us, of course. You know, we were still thinking, oh, this disease sounds, uh, you know, uh, like it could be bad, you know, we might have to all stay at home for a few weeks until it blows over. Um, so it, it kind of got delayed. And then lo and behold, uh, Ian from LNFG called me back and I, I, I went up and sat in his living room. Um, and at that time, they, they were trying to develop a, a platform for uh, bands. So they've got the subscription part of the label. Um uh, and then they were trying to build a platform to, you know, to to be inclusive for other bands to kind of develop their uh, their, their music and and uh, uh, develop their acts and and you know find a, a a way to release music that they they wouldn't get ripped off. So we uh, were one of the the early bands on that part of last night from uh, from Glasgow. I think at that point there were only two or three bands had uh, had used that channel. Um, and uh, all of a sudden, you know, it appeared on on vinyl. We got enormous uh, support from the label, and and the next thing we know, we're sitting in lockdown, and um, it was very surreal because we couldn't gig and we couldn't engage with people. We experienced everything about that music through lockdown, and it may well be that people bought more records in in lockdown because they couldn't spend their money on much else, right? They were all, they were all sitting at home. So whatever the, the circumstances were at the time, you know, they conspired um, to get it onto vinyl. And it, it really was, uh, it's still really humbling um, that anybody bought it at all. And even now, you know, you see, you know, someone last week tweeted a picture of the, the record they had bought. And I thought, wow, that it, it just amazes me that, uh, you know that that we did that, and that we got the support of uh, LNFG to do it. You know, and uh, you can see the way that label has developed uh, in the last two or three years. Um, uh, you know, it's people I think might like streaming as a convenience, but I think there's a huge number of people out there who haven't had another way to engage with bands and musicians that they like because there was nothing physical you could buy. You know, it, it was hard to to create vinyl and artwork and stuff like that so um you know i think the idea that everything has to be digital is has been challenged and and i think we've we've really benefited very happily from that as we been about last night from glasgow see from the background a not-for-profit uh independent that's a massive thing in itself it just seems like a a label with morals not something that we hear too often uh, when you're talking about record labels it, it sounds pretty extraordinary to be honest. Yeah I, I think it is um, I mean when you get involved with someone else financially that you don't know very well and you make commitments uh, and you know you, you're doing something that you you know you, you kind of value almost as much as your own children you know because we spent a year and a half in the studio trying to work this thing out so we'd you know, we were a little bit nervous uh, at first. We didn't know what we were getting into, but um, I, I, I think that uh, you know that that's um, uh, been proven to be exactly the case. You know, the the label 
uh, is in it for the artists. It is uh, a collective ethos. Uh, they don't take profit. The money gets channeled back into creating more music. And there are bands and artists out there who suddenly find that they did something that people like and are prepared to pay for. Um, uh, so yeah, it's it's you know I, I think the growth is uh, is deserved, and I I hope that that model uh, spreads, you know, because it's it's powerful, um, and uh, you know you're absolutely right. The, those kind of values are quite rare these days. I mean, whoever hears of any kind of uh, media company or tech company saying, yeah, we don't want to. We don't want to make a profit. We're only doing this for the the good of the art. It's very, I I'd never heard of it before. Um, in the last 10, 20 years, it seems like a an ethic from the olden days that is badly needed these days. Yeah, it sounds absolutely superb. And what I'll do is I'll, I'll link them up in the description of the podcast as well. Uh, hopefully, get them some exposure that they they so richly deserve. Moving on to the current day, and you've just released a new single, Audacity, that came out a couple of months ago now, uh, I believe back end of April, is that right? Uh, yes, it would have been, yeah, start of May, I think it was the official date. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, probably five, six weeks ago, something like that now. I don't even know what day or month it is, to be perfectly yeah, honest. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking up at the corner of my, my laptop here to see <laughs> what the date is. So it's, it's something of that uh, of that order. Um, so, yeah, and, and to be honest with you, I think we we wanted, we had released a couple of things through LNFG, which were just a real thrill for us. So we did a, a lockdown uh, thing. Um, I don't know if you caught that. It was called the isolation sessions in the first summer of... Um, isolation it was a, a cracking project and i actually recommend this album to people uh what uh the uh, ian who runs the label asked everyone to do was go find another song from another artist on the label that you like and cover it and record it at home and they put uh, they were going to put an album out and, I, and in the end uh the quality of the music was uh was incredible um and they put out a double uh, album which sold out and a CD and for us it was a massive thrill because you know we we grew up um, listening to um, you know being from Paisley you know for example the Close Lobsters uh, you know Jerry has a, a story about sneaking into a pub underage to go watch uh, bands like that in in Paisley and I guess we all did that when we were, we were younger um, and you know all of a sudden we got to be on a, an album you know with um, bands that you know we, we you know we we've bought records and gone to see and and uh, and love uh, and then we did last year we did a cover of a Bluebells song uh, as part of a kind of a uh, re-release event for the uh, the Bluebell Sisters album, um, and that 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 was another phenomenal part of being this label because actually um, the Bluebells themselves kind of nudged that into release, and Bobby designed the cover for us, um, which was a kind of reworking of the original single. Uh, so you know we we've we've had incredible support not just from the label but from uh other artists and people that we really look up to i mean you know the idea that um uh you know we get feedback from uh from bands like that is is just mind-blowing 
Um, so that the but the interesting thing was that the single that you, you just asked about, it's the first piece of work that we first song we wrote in uh, in this century. Um, you know, in the, not in the in the nineteen hundreds. Um, and we wanted to put something out just now that was, um, you know, something we'd written now and just kind of see if we thought we could still write something that people wanted to listen to, because all the songs on the Made For Each Other album, believe it or not, were all written in the 90s. Um, uh, so it was a, a bit of a test for us to see if we could still do it. And just going back slightly there, the the kind of camaraderie and support from from fellow bands it just all kind of adds to that feeling of, of community that seems to exist in the Scottish music scene just now and the kind of wider music scene in general actually yeah I, th- I think so I mean it's it's been a real surprise to me um you know we we had even we hadn't even played outside Scotland uh, until recently and you know we've become very friendly with a, a band uh, down in the northeast of England and we played down in Newcastle um and uh you know we played a gig last month in stereo um at the album launch for St Duke's and you know the uh two bands we played with that night were absolutely phenomenal you know stereo was sold out all the bands were great but more than that everybody you know had a beer uh, and and had a laugh together and um yeah i i i don't know how universal that is but uh, it I, it, that for us is really why we do it, and you get some bizarre things. Um, uh, in uh, twenty nineteen, in the summer, we got a call from King Tuts to ask us if we'd go support this band we'd never heard of at short notice. That some circumstances they didn't have a support band, and we went along. It was a band called the Tearaways, and it was uh, Clem Burks. Uh, side project, uh, the, you know, Clem Burke with a drummer from Blondie. And we ended up sitting in a dressing room with Clem Burke and his mates drinking beer in that scabby little dressing room they've got up in uh, uh, upstairs in King Tut's. You know, and and if there, if there was one reason uh, why we like playing live uh, and, and keeping the band going, it's, you know, these um, nights that, that you have live and and uh, working with other bands it's absolutely phenomenal and and you know when you bump into you do bump into your heroes and stars every now and again and it's uh, it's something else because we've never yet met anybody that has been overly egotistical or or unpleasant maybe, maybe that's still to come i don't know but it's uh, so far it's it's you know it has been an absolute thrill and just moving on to the live side of things there's a, a gig at the end of the month uh, as you move towards the, the launch of the new album. What else have you got coming up uh, in terms of gigs and also uh, upcoming releases? Yeah, we probably won't see much more in the way of releases this year. We are getting closer to um, getting into the studio to have our album recorded. We, we always had in our mind we would try and do that by autumn. Uh, we've been gigging recently some of the new songs and uh, no one no one threw anything at us so we'll take that as a as a positive um uh currently we've only got two live events scheduled uh these that you know there's so many things that conversations that go on that take such a long time to to uh, 
uh, to turn into real gigs. But we're, we're doing a, an acoustic gig in um, LNFG has got its own shop now in the Hidden Lane up in uh, Finiston. Um, and there've been some great gigs up there, like BMX Bandits and you know bands like that. And they're all it's a little intimate in store or out in front of the store. Um, uh, and for us, it's a bit of an adventure because it's uh, it's acoustic. And we've never we've never played acoustically, at least not since Jerry and I went busking in front of BHS in Sucky Hall Street in the nineties for beer money. Um, so uh, we're doing that, and then we're going to play a festival in Kassel in Germany uh, in September or in uh, September weekend, which is uh, uh, it's just incredible for us, um, you know, to to go and and uh, play in a place like that. For me, it's especially good because I got a strong connection with Germany. I lived there a long time, and I've got a lot of friends there. And um, you know, my daughter was born there, and my son went to school there, so. Uh, that that's uh, pretty exciting for us to to be doing that. So there'll probably be more things will appear, um, uh, but our focus now is to uh, uh, get in the studio as soon as we can get the remaining songs finished and uh, and get that recorded. So it certainly sounds like there's a lot happening in the in the next couple of months. The trip to Germany sounds particularly exciting. At this point of the podcast, what I tend to ask the guest is for a couple of Scottish bands or artists that you very much enjoy, that the listeners to the podcast may or may not have heard of. So I'm putting you on the spot a wee bit here, David, but can you take it away from here? Wow, you you are absolutely uh, putting me on the spot. Um, so can this be uh, uh, lesser known bands or can it be fairly successful? Yeah, so, absolutely. The, that's even better, to be honest, because they tend to end up being my next podcast guest. All right. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you who I'll start with in the hope that you uh, uh, do get them as your next uh, guests. Um, is uh, living in Edinburgh for a while um, uh, and and having, uh, you know, had uh, my son grow up as a teenager and be a complete uh, music obsessive. Um, you, you're probably uh, aware of uh, Young Fathers from uh, from Edinburgh. Um, I think they maybe won a Mercury Prize a few years ago. They've been around for a few years now. Yeah, that's um, right. They did. I, I can't remember now if they won it or just were in it. But, you know, I, I they're a, a Scottish band that I just absolutely uh, adore. Uh, and it's, you know, it's a genre of music that um, uh, probably is not regularly associated with... Uh, uh, with Scotland, right? I mean, if you think about it, um, we're probably known for uh, everything from uh, Lulu and the Bay City Rollers to uh, indie pop, but and you know, not for the uh, the kind of brilliant genius that uh, uh, those guys produce. Um, uh, I think that would be uh, definitely a band I would always recommend uh, uh, to people. Um, you said two, right? If you can, yep. <laughs> I appreciate um, this stuff. Well, the the other thing I, I should probably recommend um, uh, something from the label, and you know, last night from Glasgow, uh, I, I've become so prolific in terms of creativity in in the last few years that there are a whole load of bands that. Uh, you know, I really enjoy listening to 
on there. Um, if I had to choose an album that I was listening to a lot just now, um, I would uh, probably recommend Album Club, um, which, uh, you know, it, it's just a phenomenal record. It's original. It does sound, I think if you had to guess where it came from and you, and you were into alternative music, you probably would guess it was a Scottish band. Um, and they've got an incredible uh album cover where they've basically just got a photograph of the uh, the Lauriston, uh, you know, the pub on uh, Kilmarnock Road. Yeah, well, um, I've frequented it a few times as well, I must confess. Yeah, I yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I would uh, recommend listening to that. That's a phenomenal, but there are now, oh, no, uh, now 15 other uh, bands on the label who are all hating me for not mentioning them, but uh, there are so many to choose from. No, we, and I'll cover you're back there in terms of linking up last night from Glasgow and the, the description of the podcast and, and giving it a wee push as well on the, the podcast Twitter. So I'd really encourage you to to check out the bands on that label. They're doing fantastic work, as David has, has already described today. David, all that's left for me is to thank you for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Uh, we had a great conversation before we started and an even better one on the podcast. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. We should maybe do a separate football podcast, given that's what we talked about for so long in the in the preamble. <laughs> yeah, we'll, uh, we'll wait till 6.45 today and see how Scotland go, and then I'll maybe contact you again. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Well, thanks very much. I, I you know, I, I really, um, this is a great podcast, and uh, it's been a real, uh, a real Pleasure to uh, to be on it and and get to ramble on about uh, music for uh, for an hour. I really enjoyed it. No, the pleasure's been all mine. Just a final one though. Where can we find you on social media, streaming platforms, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera? Um, well, all the all, you know, if you uh, just look for the Muldoons on on the usual uh, streaming platforms, uh, you'll you'll find us. Um, I much. Better would be to um, uh, go to uh, muldoons.bandcap.com, uh, where you'll find digital versions of all our music there. Uh, even better would be to go to uh, lastnightfromglasgow.com, uh, named after the uh, line from the ABBA song, um, where you know we've got stuff on there like t-shirts and and vinyl and and so on. Um, and our social media is pretty easy to find. We tend to focus on uh, Twitter, where you can get us uh, at Muldoons2017, because uh, we were only uh, back for a one-gig reunion, as you recall, um, uh, or on Facebook, where it's just uh, dead easy, just uh, forward slash the Muldoons. Uh, yeah, we're, we're everywhere these days, um, as my wife has frequently uh, reminded me. <laughs> David, thanks again. Yeah, great to speak to you. Thanks very much. You've been listening to the Scottish Indie Podcast. I'll be back in two weeks' time. Until then, thank you. Goodbye.
walked right up to me and said, You come with me tonight. You're coming home with me tonight. I was struck by the velocity of the effect the two words had on me. I didn't stand a chance. But no, I didn't stand a chance. Cause I was caught in your beautiful night and never forget the night that we met. Caught up in your charms, held in by your I was struck by your vivacity and the way you shone in front of me. I was blinded by your light, blinded by your light. I felt the electricity and the spark that flew between you and me. It nearly knocked me off my feet. It nearly knocked me off my feet. Cause I was caught in your beautiful night and never forget the night that we met. Caught up in your charms, held in by 